One South America's richest country that used to welcome millions of political exiles and economic refugees during the 20th century and in possession of the largest oil reserve on Earth is now completely collapsed. Venezuela is enduring one of the worst man-made humanitarian economic crises in the war, which is fueling an unprecedented migrant and refugee crisis in the region. My name is Moises Randon. I'm the Associate Director and Associate Fellow of the Americas Program at CSIS. I'm also becoming Richard Miles' substitute to host this show when he's not around. And our guests today include Ambassador Francisco Santos and David Smolansky. Thank you both for joining us today. Ambassador uh, Santos is, is the new Colombian ambassador to the United States. Uh, he just presented his credentials just recently to the White House. Um, and he's also the former vice president of, of Colombia under President Uribe administration. And David Smolansky is, is a young political Venezuela who was a mayor of a Latillo municipality in Caracas. And, and now he's leading the, the OEA's working group to respond to the Venezuela migrant and refugee crisis. Thank you, David, for joining us today. Before we start start talking about this unprecedented crisis, Ambassador, we would like to ask you, how did you become Ambassador? Tell us a little bit about you, and then we're going to go to you, David, too, and just to get to know you a little bit better. After working with President Uribe, his vice president, for eight years, uh, a lot of my job was uh, working here in the U.S., the, the human rights issue, the... Um, the free trade agreement, uh, many of the issues uh, went through uh, between our relationships, went through Washington and I, and I, uh, I had uh, that that was one of the jobs that, that the president gave me. So I understood how Washington works. Uh, I understood how important it is to maintain bipartisanship here in the U.S. I understood how how bureaucracy moves here. Uh, uh, after eight years, uh, I you know, working in opposition to the present government, to the former government, uh, President Duque thought I was the, the best uh, name to to become ambassador here to the U.S. I'm a, uh, I'm a person who grew up uh, studying in the U.S. Uh, I went to school in Kansas and then in Texas. Uh, so um, so um, I guess uh, that was why. Congratulations, Ambassador. It's great to have you in town. And uh, David. You know, you, you probably are one of the youngest uh, people to become mayors in Venezuela, and you have been awarded as one of the most thoughtful individuals from Venezuela to play a key role in the rebuilding of Venezuela someday. Tell us a little bit about you. How how did you come to Washington? And, you know, just, just tell us. Yep. Well, my political career started when I was a student, and uh, Hugo Chavez closed uh, the oldest TV station in Venezuela, Radio Caracas Televisión. Uh, thousands of students went to, to the streets to nonviolent protests, uh, and we were able to lead the only election that Chavez uh, lost. I was 21 years old when that happened. And then after I finished story journalism, I decided to run as a mayor of El Atillo, which is one of the five towns of Caracas. I was elected when I was 28 years old with a priority to decrease kidnapping, which we were able to do more than 80%, and also with a priority to build a, a transparent uh, local government, which was recognized as one of the top three most transparent local government in Venezuela. And after being after, after we were able to do that and also being very active politically talking, I was one of the participants of the 120 consecutive day protests of 2017 in Venezuela. Maduro's regime uh, removed me from office. Uh, I'm under arrest warrant. Um, I was removed from any public administration role. Um, so I went 35 days in clandestinity 
until I fled the country through Brazil. And then uh, I was invited from Georgetown University to go a visiting scholar, research about migration, security, and defense. Um, and just recently, uh, Secretary General Luis Almagro designated me as a coordinator of the working group to um, the um, migration and refugee um, crisis in the region, Venezuelan migration refugee crisis in the region. Venezuela, a safe haven to a collapsed state. Um, just to put the numbers on the table and make sure that our audience are keeping track, there are about 2.5 million people have fled the country in the last few years. About one-fifth of them has gone to Europe and North America. Almost all the rest has gone to Latin American countries and the Caribbean. Colombia is the country that is burning the, is having the burden as, as anyone else. Now, there are about one million people in Colombia, three quarters of a million are in Peru and Ecuador, and about a quarter million are in Brazil, Argentina, and Chile combined. So this is obviously an unprecedented migrant refugee crisis, but that's not the problem. The problem is that only gonna get much worse, much quicker. Ambassador, um, as, as this is one of your first podcasts in Washington, D.C. as well, uh, you know, we, we would love to hear your insights of how do you see this refugee crisis affecting Colombia's institutions, Colombia's democracy, how how important for Colombia is this crisis? And you mentioned it's a priority, so I would love to hear your insights of, of what do you mean with, 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 with this crisis being a priority for Colombia? Thank you. This crisis is, is, is probably the biggest uh, uh, national security challenge that we have. Uh, not only has Venezuela become a safe haven of drug traffickers, uh, most of the camps of the LN are on the other side of the border. Most of the camps of the dissidents from the FARC are on the other side of the border. They come in, kidnap, kill, extort money, and then uh, they move out. Uh, but now a new element has been added, and it's, uh, it's this... Uh, dramatic migration that we have had without uh, precedent in the continent and and something that that, that uh, is affecting Colombian institutions that is affecting uh, uh, Colombian stability we have received 1 million Venezuelans in the last year Germany from the Syrian crisis received 1 million refugees in 3 years uh, they had to divest a lot of resources from their budget uh, to attend that crisis. We don't have those resources. We have spent uh, probably around a billion dollars. Uh, you are seeing right now a, 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 it could affect economic growth because you divest resources from development to uh, attendance of this uh, refugee uh, crisis. Um, refugees are being used and are being by the illegal groups. Uh, they are, say, recruiting. Many are children. Uh, drug traffickers are using them. Just a few weeks ago, a bus uh, in an accident that was hired by, uh, by uh, drug traffickers was full of coca. Um, and uh, more than 17 people were killed, and that, that had become a, a, a modus operandi of moving coca from different regions uh, with uh, Venezuelan migrants and with, uh, with people uh, uh, that, uh, that obviously without the $10 that a bus ticket costs, if they tell them, okay, we'll put a bus, you go free, what they don't know is uh, what was going uh, inside the bus. Uh, 
you're starting to, obviously, there's been great solidarity by the Colombian people. I have more than 10 chats of people saying we want to help because we're seeing massive uh, ca camps rising up from one day to the other around the bus stations. And you see thousands and thousands of, of, of uh, Venezuelans walking in the, in the roads of Colombia. Uh, they're called the Caminantes. Uh, when they go up in the highlands, uh, it can be uh, uh, below zero degrees. So uh, 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 kids are dying and prostitution uh, is becoming a huge problem. Uh, I was speaking to a priest in Cucuta a few days ago, and he was telling me how um, somebody rents a house for a month, Venezuelans, and by the thousands, and kids are prostituting themselves, and a month later that house is gone. So, so, so it's a crisis that, uh, that is really challenging Colombian democracy, Colombian uh, society, Colombian solidarity, and Colombian finances. Uh, and if you add uh, the, 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 the critical element of security, you have a, 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 a time bomb that is ready to explode. Yes. Uh, thank you, Ambassador. And I think that the backlash component to this crisis is important because, as you mentioned, unprecedented, frustrated, and desperate Venezuelans are showing up on the local streets and parks. And, and now we start, genera start generating backlash. So that's a very important point that, that we all need to help. David. You were just in Colombia. You were just in the border in Cúcuta, with in the border between Colombia and Venezuela. You met with the civil society members. You met with the Colombian government. What did you see from your trip just a few days ago? Well, um, I've been many times, uh, Moisés, since I'm in exile. The last one was uh, just uh, five days ago, and um, it's a human meltdown. It's just people escaping from from a dictator. Uh, people escaping because uh, there's no food, there's no medicine, there is insecurity, there is repression, human rights violation. So in Venezuela, people are not living, people are surviving. And when you are surviving, you probably, at the end of the day, uh, will die. So um, people to avoid in Venezuela uh, uh, dying are going, uh, deciding to to flee uh, my country. And um, I was able to, to have uh, several meetings, uh, starting uh, with the President Ivan Duque, uh, also with the Minister of, of, of Foreign Affairs, um, um, Carlos Trujillo Holmes. Uh, also, uh, we were able to have uh, meetings with uh, local and regional authorities that are in the border with Venezuela and humanitarian organizations. And the first thing that we need to be clear here is that this is not an individual problem. This is a regional problem. Right. I mean, the thing that is going on in Venezuela is not only affecting Venezuelans. It is affecting the whole region. Maduro's regime has become a threat to the region. And, uh, and we need uh, that effort from the international community not only to protect all the migrants and refugees, which obviously is very important, but also to help Venezuelans to restore uh, democracy and freedom. The longer Maduro stays, the more people are are going to flee. The faster we, um, the faster uh, Venezuelans restore democracy and freedom, uh, the exodus could stop, and also millions of Venezuela could go back. To, to my country, as me, for example, and rebuild uh, uh, Venezuela. So the main solution for the migration refugee crisis is to re restore democracy in Venezuela. Uh, so we need to understand that. But while Maduro is in, in power, we'll need to get, we'll need to work on the protection 
and, 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 and humanitarian aid to those migrants and refugees. And something that I saw in the border in Colombia, and I was in the border in Brazil one month ago, um, non-Venezuela wanted to leave the country. It's just something really important that the international community needs to understand. If you talk to any Venezuelan, it doesn't matter he's a, a young student, it doesn't matter he's an old guy, any Venezuelan that fled the country uh, did it against its, his will. On that question, I think it's important to, to, to get ambassador insights because he, we, we just did this public event at CSIS and I, I think it's important to record on, the, on, on, on our podcast too. The root cause of this crisis uh, at, at the end of the day is the regime in Venezuela, right? And the international community has provided uh, sanctions, uh, has provided diplomatic efforts um, and and we are all in consensus that more needs to be done. Um, but Ambassador, we'll love to hear your insights. What else needs to be done? Are, are sanctions a route to increase that pressure that is needed? Is a multilateral effort a way to go? And, and where Colombia stands in, in terms of how the international community should respond to the root cause of the migrant and Look, refugee crisis? I, I, I think uh, uh, there's a big step that has been taken, and it's that there's practically a consensus that democracy has to be restored. That's a very, very important step. How? We need to find out how. And we need to work different scenarios. Uh, there can be a lot more pressure, a lot more pressure. There can be a lot more uh, 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 strategic pressure too, uh, and I think those are those are the issues that uh, that uh, we need to look. If it's possible, a consensus. If it's not possible, a consensus, then it's going to be a, a three, five, seven. I don't know how many countries that will move in the same direction. Obviously, uh, hand in hand with the U.S., which is uh, very, very, very important. But uh, the reality of, of, of this is that uh, unless that objective is achieved, we will not be able to solve the crisis of Venezuela. All the money that you can put in terms of protecting refugees will not be enough. I'm starting to hear numbers of, of uh, 30% of the population of Venezuela having to live because of hunger. That's around 10 million people. Imagine a refugee crisis of 10 million. Where have we seen that? We've already, we've, we already have seen two and a half million people living. In Colombia, one, we received one million persons last year. More than 5,000 are staying every day. That means that in the next year we'll have 1.5 million more. 2.5 million. Uh, which economy can sustain that? Which society can absorb that? Uh, what institutions can uh, can 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 deal with that? Um, so, so uh, with that objective, I think we cannot lose sight of it. We cannot uh, uh, give a, a, a more uh, end arounds to what needs to be done. Uh, the dictatorship in Venezuela has been able to move around. Uh, this issue, and and uh, but I think it's time to to understand that the wiggling room is zero now. And yet the regime is still rejecting aid from the outside. And and meanwhile we've seen the unprecedented humanitarian crisis in Venezuela. The regime still rejecting any aid. So that's that's a very very important um, piece to keep in mind. David, I don't want to miss the opportunity and ask you 
um, this newly created um, uh, working group that the OAS and the Secretary General Luis Almagro has just announced, uh, and you are leading this working group. Um, and so can you walk us through what is the working group, what is its mission, and what is in the pipeline right now for the OAS working group, again, to respond to this refugee and migrant crisis coming yes. out of Venezuela? Yes, well, this working group was created uh, a week ago, um, which is something really important because uh, it demonstrates that uh, the OAS um, is uh, looking at the migration and refugee uh, crisis that the dictatorship has created in Venezuela as a regional uh, problem. So this working group will work uh, for several weeks on a report that um, um, we're going to obviously share to uh, international, to the region and, to the, and beyond to the whole international uh, community to have as much testimonies as possible to, um, to, to, evi to, the, to have the causes of why the Venezuelans have fled. Uh, especially on human rights violation and social control is where we're gonna uh, focus. Uh, second, obviously, we want to we want to map the migrants and refugees, uh, uh, count them because that's update every day, every week, every month, and also uh, gives uh, recommendations to 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 the country. And uh, and we have a view that we call it uh, mano amiga, brazo fuerte. We could, you could say friendly heart, friendly hand, strong arm. Right. The friendly hand, the friendly hand is to give the best protection and attention to all the migrants and refugees are in Colombia, Brazil, Peru, Chile, Ecuador, Argentina, and other countries in the region, like, for example, Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean. But uh, the strong arm is to not lose the main focus, which is the solution for the migration and refugee crisis in the region is to restore democracy and freedom in, in Venezuela. So that's the that's the work that we're going to, to do in the next uh, weeks. We're going to visit different countries. We were already in Colombia a few days ago. We're planning to go to, to Brazil, to Peru, to Chile, to Ecuador, to, to the Caribbean countries uh, as well. I think the Venezuelan diaspora, mm -hmm. uh, the middle class the Venezuelan diaspora has a very important role in this, on helping this working group and helping the Venezuelan uh, migrants and, and refugees. And hopefully we're gonna have a, a, the best report uh, possible to help the country, to help the region, and especially to help Venezuelans. We've wished the very best to the working group and hope that uh, it, it you know, gets to its feet quick. Um, Ambassador, let's close with you. Um, you know, we we covered the issue of funding, and the president Luis Moreno, Colombian himself, uh, from the IDB, has proposed the IDB to be uh, one of the 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 in, one one of the institutions to to kind of absorb all these donations from the international community and provide it for to respond to this crisis. Um, but much more is needed. No, we're talking about 1.6 billion in the next year that is needed to respond to the crisis. Colombia, I think, if I'm not mistaken, is going to need about 1 billion. Um, so where do you see the funding issue? Do you have any insights of how can we get the international community together to, to, to help, including, as David mentioned, the diaspora, the Venezuelan diaspora, the private sector, all the multilateral institutions, the U.S., other international um, uh, other countries in, in the world. So where, where do you see that issue going with that? We will. I think the first thing we need to do is to show the dimensions of the crisis in European and, and, and here in Washington, European capitals here in Washington, in Ottawa. Uh, I don't think they understand how big this is. 
I don't think they, they visualize the, the huge humanitarian crisis. Uh, we don't have a, a, a symbol of those crises like you had, for example, in Syria uh, with, with that, that, that horrible picture of a little kid uh, 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 drowned in the ocean or, or, in, the, or in Africa, uh, the little kid uh, uh, surrounded by, uh, by, uh, by, uh, by birds uh, uh, that wanted to, to eat him, uh, things like that. Uh, so, but there are images, and we have seen them in Colombia as dramatic as those. Uh, a kid dying of, of, of freezing in the highlands moving yes. from Cúcuta to, to the interior of Colombia. Uh, uh, thousands and thousands of women prostituting themselves for food. Uh, uh, people who are starving, walking with their last uh, 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 bits of energy all over Colombia to, to, to find the next meal. Um, so, so the main issue right now is to let the power brokers in the world understand how big this is. And I think President uh, Duque in his speech at UNGA is going to be very important. The meeting that we're going to have with uh, the foreign ministers is very important. But you need to bring the message to the U.S. Congress. US Congress. Oh, yes. The U.S. Congress is the key ally. This is a bipartisan issue, but I don't think they understand how big it is. And I think that that should be a very, very important element of the, of the discussion. And, and, and we need to shake them to their, to their, to their core. Otherwise, uh, uh, we will not get uh, a solution to this problem. And in the meantime, a solution to the problem of, uh, of refugees. Yes. And on that note, Ambassador, I mean, the U.S. Congress is dealing with so many problems around the world. You know, we're talking about North Korea, Syria, Iran. And, you know, the U.S. also has its domestic challenges. Um, so how, how can we help to get the Venezuela uh, issue on, on top? Not, not awareness, awareness and awareness. Mm -hmm. Here in Washington, I was speaking to some Colombian journalists and I was telling them how bad the situation is. They didn't know it. And if these are Colombian journalists, right. imagine a, a senator from Iowa. But you, you show him that dimensions and he'll immediately feel for it. And we're not talking the other side of the world. We're talking the back door. Right. This is a three-hour plane ride. The, Caracas is closer to Washington than Los Angeles. So, so, so this is, this, it, it's very important to, to, to put that in the table so they, uh, their heart is moved, and I think it's not that difficult to do that, and to show them the strategic importance of Venezuela to the U.S. interest, to Latin American interest, to the whole continent, which, uh, which is something that, uh, that, uh, that the U.S. Uh, understands very, very, very clearly. Thank you so much, Ambassador. Thank you, David, thank for you. joining us today. And thank you all for listening to 35 West. Thank you again for joining us, gentlemen. Mm -hmm.